hello there, how are we doing? Hope all's well, this is the Not The Top 20 podcast, sponsored by Betfair. This is a bonus Tuesday edition, an express recap of the EFL weekend. I'm Ali Maxwell, back from beautiful Slovenia, uh, but George Ellick is still in midair on a flight back from the United States, so I thought perhaps we could catch up on the weekend together. I hope you enjoyed our interviews with Rich Hughes and Preston Johnson, which went out on the feed on Monday morning. A huge thank you for their time and a huge thank you to those of you who have tweeted and messaged us nice things. Some of you happy to have some interview content on the podcast feed and that's given us some real food for thought. So we'll get to work and try and sort out some more of that. As for today, well, as I say, an express breakdown of the EFL weekend. Now, I know that for many of you, a long monologue style pod might not sound like the most engaging. So no shame at all if you don't fancy this, but we basically feel a responsibility not to miss a weekend of EFL action during the season. So here goes. Before I start, a big thank you to the 160 legends of the NTT20 squad whose uh, recaps, breakdowns, reviews of games across the EFL over the weekend were brilliant. I enjoyed reading them on the flight home. They helped get me up to speed ahead of this pod. And here is the EFL weekend that was. 36 games, just a couple of notes. Any major takeaways from each one? Let's see how we go. In the championship, I think we have to start with the league leaders, Reading. No surprise to see Reading up there, is it? I think everyone had them as a lock for an automatic promotion battle with this squad, with the governor at the helm, and they're, they're doing the business so far. <laughs> They'd lost both their away games this season. Millwall had won both of their home games. So obviously, Reading pitched up at the den and beat them 1-0. Millwall had lost only six of the last 37 home games in front of fans under Gary Rowett at the den. Reading went and upset the apple cart. This was no smash and grab. The goal from a set piece, headed in by Nabi Saar, a signing that Reading had only announced the day before. Everything is just going right for them and Ince at the moment. Most impressively of all, Reading looked largely untroubled by what Millwall threw at them, even though that they were ahead for most of the game. It was Reading who had the two biggest chances of the game after the goal, on the break. This could have been even more comfortable Paul Ince and a group of about 14 senior players are absolutely smashing it at the moment. It's somewhat reminiscent of two years ago under Pauno, where I think Reading started with seven wins and a draw in their first eight. It's fantastic. It's a brilliant start to the season. The fans are rightly buzzing. I am thinking I might have to try and get down to the Madstad for the Stoke game on Sunday at midday because I feel the need to see this in the flesh. Just beneath them, second place Sheffield United drew one all with Luton on Friday night, live on Sky. We we foresaw that Ollie McBurney goal, the equaliser. It was a brilliant, beautiful, controlled volley, a great celebration, a lot of pent-up frustration pouring out, understandable. He'd looked so sharp the week before, he'd gone so close without scoring, and it felt like it was only a matter of time. He is absolutely one to watch over the next few weeks in terms of championship goals. Uh, his goal cancelled out a wonderful header from Carlton. Morris Luton had started that game really well on the front foot, got ahead, but Sheffield United, hecking bottom side, drawing back level, one all draw in the end. There are four teams in the playoff places in the championship uh, that all picked up wins. Hull City, 3-2 winners against Coventry. I swear you will not see many hat-tricks like this one from Oscar Estupinian. 
the only comparison I can draw is a Dirk Kout hat-trick for Liverpool against Manchester United some years ago where I think the goals were scored from a combined six or seven yards. That was the case here for Oscar, the league's top goalscorer. Essentially set up by three ricochets. Two of them off the keeper for the first and second goal. The third one bounced off a teammate's torso. All of them fell to Estupinian two yards out. His goal scored from a combined six or seven yards. He finished one with his head, one with his torso, one with his left foot. He's on seven goals for the season. He's the top scorer in the championship. And I genuinely couldn't tell you if he's incredible or incredibly lucky. (laughs) Coventry's frustrating stop-start season continues. Of course, they've only played three games in the league this season. And the last two of them, they've lost both 3-2. Sunderland nil Norwich won. Well, this was meant to be Alex Neal taking charge of Sunderland against his former club Norwich City. In the end, Alex Neal's backroom staff took this game because it was played amongst the backdrop of a shock departure from Sunderland's manager, who will join Stoke City as their new manager. I'm going to wait until we have both of us on here to react properly to this. I'm still sorting out my own thoughts, to be quite honest, because it all happened over the weekend while I was away. It's pretty remarkable. It is a huge news story in the championship and we're going to get into it certainly over the next few pods. On the pitch, Sunderland played pretty well. They were certainly highly motivated, this team, to show that they can do the business without Alex Neal. And they probably should have been ahead, squandering a few chances before a really slick Norwich attack. Nunez inevitably involved, Aaron Ramsey involved and cutting back to Dean Smith's trusty lieutenant, Sergeant. Scoring the winner uh, after a a really nice move, that one. It does seem hard to believe that Sunderland didn't score any of the chances that they had. Norwich will not care. Three wins in a row. They've got the most points out of the three relegated Premier League teams. Pressure officially eased. And Sunderland, again, we will discuss that in more depth soon. Uh, Rotherham beat Birmingham 2-0. Richard Wood at the double. Transfer marked reckons that's his first ever brace. I feel like I've I've seen him score a hundred goals similar to his first one, a header from a set piece. Um, He's continuing to do it. It's incredible. Brilliant delivery as ever from Dan Barlasser from set piece situations and a a beautiful whipped cross for the second as well. Barlasser also missed a penalty in this game. It gives an idea uh, of the fact that Rotherham blitzed Birmingham here. Um, Confident and deserved winners in this game. Birmingham already looking like they might have lost the zip, the vigour, the organisation that they showed in the first, what, two games? And Rotherham lacking none of those things, completely overwhelmed them. They're unbeaten on nine points from five. Great start for the Millers. Wigan won, Burnley five. Peculiar one this because uh, it probably didn't go exactly as the scoreline would suggest. There, There were no shots for either side in the first 15 minutes And then a loose ball fell to Jay Rodriguez, who smashed in. And from that moment, almost everything that Burnley kicked at goal went in the goal. (laughs) Josh Brownhill looking so sharp, so dangerous. Two brilliant finishes here. One with his right foot, one with his left foot. He's on four in six games. And the areas that he's picking up, the positions that he's taking and the finishing that he's shown, you wouldn't bet against him scoring a significant amount of goals for an attacking midfield player. I I think, basically, watching this, the general feeling I got was, to compete with Burnley and the way they attack, you have to be so tight defensively. Your shape has to be so good. You can't leave big gaps between defenders. 
and you have to defend your box well from cutbacks and crosses. Wigan didn't do any of that and Burnley made them pay 5-1 winners, Burnley and company. At Watford 2, QPR 3, QPR showing what they can look like if and when things click. We know that Michael Beale is happy to play with as many technical attacking midfield players as he can and the second and third goals are kind of what we might see if things really go well for QPR. Chair and Willock with attacking fullbacks Laird and Pal overlapping. Watford looked all at sea here really. They continue to look like a bit of a mishmash. A lot of players put on a pitch in a Watford shirt but no real sign of them looking like a team at this point. Now I'm not really blaming Rob Edwards for this. I think the window closing will help Watford, even if they might still lose a player or two, even if we're not sure exactly who they're going to bring in. I'm struck by the fact that Rich Hughes on yesterday's pod, the Forest Green Rovers director of football, he spoke about how getting Rob Edwards in at Forest Green for his first uh, EFL senior management role one of the things that they specifically did to help him was to get the whole squad set and ready for him. By the time they went to Loughborough for pre-season, almost every player that would end up as part of his title-winning squad were in the building working on shape. Now, it seems like the complete opposite from the outside here at Watford, and it's not hard to see how that would be tough. Regardless, after a disappointing home draw at Rotherham the weekend before, I think QPR can be really pleased with this three points. Another away win was from Stoke at Blackburn. Alex Neal watching on as Stoke got their second win of the season. The goal scored by Lewis Baker, who strode forward to fire home from range in the first half. Maybe a few question marks about Kaminsky in the Blackburn goal. Was it a was it a was it a soft long shot to concede? I think probably it was. Now, maybe one for a future episode. Can we start to call Lewis Baker one of the best players in his position? One of the best players in the league? I think a year on, or just eight months on from signing, he is establishing himself as exactly that. And it's brilliant to watch. And I think Alex Neal will have some pretty good plans for Lewis Baker and for Stoke City. Uh, from then, after going one ahead, Blackburn did have some chances here. Dak, Dolan, Diaz all going close. But it's three wins followed by three defeats for Yondale's not-so-smiley Rovers. And he's going to have to get a bit of a grip on things, you'd think. And it'd be interesting to see how much business they do over the next 48 hours or so. We will go big on Stoke and Alex Neal next week on the pod. Middlesbrough beat Swansea 2-1 at the Riverside. Borough's first goal was a Swansea classic. A loose pass given away. A quick break. Defenders scrambling to get back. Lots of space to move into and play into and a good finish from Riley McGree. Really well taken goal that. Uh, and it turns out that Borough now have Matt Clark at left centre-back. That sort of passed me by just before the weekend. Of course, Clark, we've seen a lot of uh, in the EFL on loan from Brighton over the last few years and, and with Pompey before that. He's won Player of the Year in four of his last five seasons. First with Pompey, 17-18 and 18-19. Then with Derby County, 19-20. And then West Brom last season. Not hard to be excited if you're a Borough fan at permanently signing someone with that record in a position where you clearly needed someone. And it turns out 
shock horror, Matt Clark and Ryan Giles are probably going to combine quite nicely down Borough's left side, as they did before Giles set up Matt Crooks for the 2-0 goal. At Swansea, disappointing again, you have to say, albeit against a very good side. A Pirro penalty made it 2-1, uh, but Borough were very, very good for this win. Blackpool 3, Bristol City 3 was as fun as it sounds. Uh, both teams led in this game. Both teams came back in this game. I think this was a, a pretty perfect matchup for fun, really, on the seaside. Um, pod favourites, Bowler, Conway, Semenyo, all on the score sheet. Uh, and a defensive brain fart, you have to say, from Zach Viner led to Corbiano equalising late, late on here. Good scenes in the home end. And Bristol City... There might be some defensive reinforcements over the next few days. It still feels like the, the the part of the pitch where Bristol City are letting themselves down a little bit. I have a feeling that Zach Viner may not play many more games for Nigel Pearson. From quotes from last season that I remember reading, I'm not convinced he's ever truly rated him defensively. This error that led to the equalising goal and cost Bristol City two points when they've been on such good form um, will certainly not have been a popular one. At Huddersfield 2, West Brom 2 was a tale of two braces. Chelsea Loney Tino Angerin announcing himself on the championship stage, someone who had a an incredibly decorated youth career, uh, showing that he's probably going to be pretty good if he can stay fit and get a few more starts under his belt. A beautiful curler to give Huddersfield the lead and then a lovely composed strike to double it having robbed a defender uh, and uh, Huddersfield streaking away to go 2-0 up but West Brom are playing well <laughs> and I don't think the points tally is reflecting that and they didn't fold here in fact they piled pressure on Jedley Wallace was absolutely on one here and it's really good to see him continuing to rack up goal contributions in a West Brom shirt just as he did in a Millwall shirt. Fed up of setting up his teammates for chances that they were squandering, he smashed home two goals of his own to save a point for West Brom. And Cardiff nil, Preston nil, was a match that happened in South Wales. Okay, let's take a few deep breaths and dive into League One. Sheffield Wednesday 5, Forest Green nil. Feels like a headline. Massive win for Wednesday. 5-0 up after 56 minutes. That tells you what you need to know here. You could probably focus on Forest Green being welcoming, shall we say. Very nice and open and not tracking runners. I'd rather focus on some brilliant passing and movement, particularly from Windass, from Bannon, Gregory and, and Liam Palmer as well, who now has 2-2 two two for Wednesday. He had scored three in 349 Wednesday games before last weekend so obviously he now has two in two Wednesday far too strong they march on for Forest Green well it's upcoming home games against Accrington and Shrews that I think are the ones to judge them on uh, we hope that friend of the pod Rich Hughes who you'll have heard on yesterday's interview episode let's hope he had a nice day in the Sheffield Wednesday director's box despite the result. Pompey are top of the league, joint top of the league. They went to Vale, they played their customary well-oiled 4-4-2 and they won this one, 1-0. One a, a brilliant defence splitting through ball from Marlon Pack sent Dane Scarlett away, the 18-year-old on loan from Spurs. It was quite a messy one-on-one -on -one finish. It might not have been how he imagined he would finish off his first senior goal but it went in nonetheless and that was enough for Pompey who saw that game out fairly well uh, there they are joint top of league one with four wins in a row 
and Peterborough United to come to Fratton Park next weekend. The headline fixture surely in League One, that one on Saturday. Ipswich are the team that Pompey are level on points with. They drew two all at home to Barnsley. Connor Chaplin, formerly of Barnsley, smashing home a beautiful free kick, celebrating with vigour, saying after the game some interesting quotes, I thought. He said, Barnsley have a policy of buying and selling players and they don't have many loyalties to players of that football club. The fans are amazing with me. I have a great relationship with them, but the football club in general doesn't have loyalty and it's just about buying and selling players. I was really motivated and happy to score against them for that reason. But... Ipswich couldn't stay in front. They were pegged back immediately by Aitchison uh, before Sam Morsey's Frank Lampard impression continued with a really nicely taken goal uh, after a cutback from the right. And then it was time for controversy. Uh, a Marcus Harness goal was chalked off for... I'm not entirely sure, and nor was the Barnsley Twitter admin who... I mean, this is probably the best way to sum up how controversial, if you will, this decision was. Uh, they tweeted, could, maybe should be a third Ipswich goal. Marcus Harness looked to have finished a neat move, but he's punished by the referee for something or other. Yeah, not 100% sure myself. Ipswich were a little bit rattled. They must have been rattled if they allowed Callum Styles to score a header from a corner to equalise for Barnsley 2-2 the final score. Uh, elsewhere, towards the top of the League 1, Plymouth beat Bolton 2-0. Now, Craig Bradley from the squad, he was at this game, wrote a brilliant match recap and from what Craig said, it sounded like Bolton came out pretty hot here and were playing well at home park before Niall Ennis made the most of a long pass over the top to nip in and score a well-taken opener. Really good to see Ennis looking fit and sharp and starting games for Argyle. If he starts games, he will score goals. I'm pretty confident of that. Now, a Plymouth-Argyle win doesn't feel right, does it? Unless it comes with a sensational save from the keeper, Cooper. He whipped out a wonder save to keep it 1-0 before Hardy came off the bench and iced the game for Argyle, who can be very pleased with their start. Four wins from their first six. Derby County 2, Peterborough United 1. Big drama at Pride Park. And I wonder if you might remember the game between these two teams at the start of last season at Peterborough in the Championship. Televised game. Posh coming from behind and winning it with two injury time goals. The last one, I think, was 99th minute from Siriki. Well, this was kind of mirrored in Derby's favour. At first, Thompson of Posh got sent off. The second yellow looked a little bit divey from Barkhazen for me. Off he went. Instead of folding then, Posh took the lead. It was a case of night-night, Josh Knight scoring for Posh, Jason Knight equalising for Derby. Jason Knight's missed a few good-headed chances this season at the back post. Uh, made up for it by thumping home a header from a corner uh, with his head here to equalise. And then, after a goal from each of the Knights, it was a combination of Dobbin and Didzy that did for Posh and got the win for Derby. Getting revenge for last year, McGoldrick finishing well for a 2-1 win. Big win, that, for Derby. Cambridge 4, Burton 3. I mean, Burton games are just bonkers, aren't they? That they, they are finding new ways to lose, that's for sure. Uh, they were ahead within seconds. Uh, had me heading in front, uh, down to 10 men after 10 minutes. Johnny Smith doing something that the cameras didn't pick up, but the assistant referee did and sent him off. Sam Smith equalised for 1-1, then equalised again for 2-2 after a Brayford set-piece header. Uh, and Ahadme then tackled the goalkeeper to put Burton 3-2 in front. And you're thinking, maybe this is their day finally. And it wasn't. Smith volleyed home a hat-trick. 
Lancaster half-volleyed home a winner. Cambridge take the points, scoring late, which always feels like a very Cambridge United under Mark Bonner thing to do at home. Uh, three points for them. Burton on one point from their six league games. Uh, a couple of wins that can be filed under the category, yeah, needed that. One of them, MK Dons, 4-0 winners at Morecambe. Grig on fire. Shrimp fried, etc., etc. This was a brace from Will Grigg. Both quality first-time finishes. Grigg personified, really. And then in the second half, goals for new boys Connor Grant and Matthew Dennis. I'm sure will do their confidence the world of good. A much-needed win for MK. Some much-needed goals as well. Some good football, some good attacking football, but tougher tests to come because Morecambe were poor here. They really need to improve. Winless in their first six league games. Another win, much needed. This time, Oxford and Carl Robinson going to Cheltenham and winning 2-1 from behind when Perry had smashed Cheltenham ahead. A magnificent Brannigan free kick cancelled it out. And Billy Bowden made things tough for them with a silly tackle for a second yellow card. Oxford fans fearing the worst and then winning the game through a penalty. Uh, impossible to see the incident, sadly, with the camera angle that we were given. Taylor apparently pulled down by Long. Stupid, if it was. Cambran doing the necessary and smashing Oxford ahead. An injury impacted Oxford, that's for sure. Getting three points here. Four draws in League One. The most exciting game among them was at Sinsel Bank. Lincoln 2, Fleetwood 2. The chess-themed goal scoring in League One continued. We had two Knights at Derby and a Bishop at the double at Lincoln Teddy scoring two goals attacking crosses from the left to finish and have Lincoln 2-0 up and letting it slip one of my favourite saves of the season came in this game by the way Danny Andrew on the left side for Fleetwood eight yards out from an angle smashing it straight into Carl Rushworth's face he basically headed it out for a corner and he looked like he absolutely loved it I thought that was excellent but Rushworth, who made a couple of other good saves here, was let down by his defenders first. Paddy Lane broke the offside trap to finish for 2-1. And then in injury time, Danny Andrews set piece onto the head of a completely unmarked Jed Garner, heading home for a two-all draw for Fleetwood. Wickham and Charlton scored within a minute of each other after a quarter of an hour to, to draw this game 1-1. Anis Mometi continuing his goal-scoring form and smashing Wickham ahead. And I noticed that You're Not Singing Anymore was still ringing around Adams Park as Charlton built down the left, crossed, and on the right wing, Raksaki finished with composure, silkiness, a powerful shot for the equaliser. I know that Gab Sutton was at this game, so if you want to head to his Twitter to find some more detailed breakdown, I've no doubt you will find it there, at Gab Sutton. Uh, every team Charlton have played so far are currently in the top half and they're sitting eighth, which I thought was an interesting note. Not a bad start at all for Ghana. Bristol Rovers drew one all with Shrews. A bit of a slow burner. This a lot of seeing a lot of reports of first half time wasting from Shrewsbury Town, etc., etc. An unambitious game plan. Uh, Rovers eventually got ahead through a, a Ryan Loft. That was a nicely worked goal, only to throw it away with poor set piece defending. Uh, the greatest Bowman equalising a scrappy one for Shrews, nicking a point here. Did Joey Barton take this well? Google his quotes from after the game to find out because I'm having a week off discussing Joey Barton post-match quotes. Accrington nil, Exeter nil also happened. Not actually a dull game, but some pretty poor finishing in this one. Uh, Aki, here's a quirk, have played six. They've won one, 
and they've drawn five. Pretty quirky, that. Uh, Giovanni never got that Jamaica cap, by the way. He came back early from that rather odd international break without getting on the pitch for them. Exeter happy to have him back, but couldn't finish their dinner here. OK, the final division, League 2, at the top of it. Leighton Orient, they carry on with a 4-2 home win against Hartlepool. And it was a familiar gang that were firing for them. Charlie Kelman, a real handful up front. Archibald and Smith, excellent Orient created chances at will here. Monker and Satiriu also on the score sheet. It's a very high-performing attacking cast right now for Richie Wellens. They're at the top of the league. This was certainly not their most solid defensive display, but it didn't need to be. Five wins and one draw is some start to the season for them. Meanwhile, Hartley's Hartlepool still waiting for their first win. One of three teams in League Two winless after six games. Barrow marched on. 1-0 winners at Wimbledon. We spoke about them in depth last week and I think it's fair to say this was Barrow and Wild all over. Firstly, they were excellent out of possession. They pushed Wimbledon into areas that they were more than comfortable defending and early on in this game they had one deadly moment to key players combining what a cross from Whitfield and Josh Gordon finishing well as he has done all season and and then just showing character really to hold on for win number five of the season last year Barrow had to wait till the 11th of December for their fifth league win this year it comes before the end of August as for Wimbledon it's just not quite working at the moment they've either been undermined by some poor defending or in this case Occasionally, uh, it just doesn't look like it's particularly fluid going forward yet. Uh, to me, it looks like they have an issue down their right side. And I, I noted this uh, when I saw them on opening day against Jills, a game that they won with Nightingale at right centre-back and Gunter at right wing-back. When they're trying to build up from the back as, as they are, um, for me, that's where attacks are dying at the moment, kind of at source. Uh, and it means that... They do look a little bit clogged up. They can't seem to get much going down that side. And teams like Barrow, who are well prepared, clearly know this already. So they might need a tweak in personnel there, Wimbledon. I wonder if a right wing back might be on the shopping list for Johnny Jackson. Northampton nil, Doncaster 1. Hello, Donny. They carry on. Big win this away at Cobblers. 1-0 uh, with a penalty. Tomlin teasing a foul out of McWilliams. That was not particularly smart defending, letting Tomlin turn and, and run into the box there. Uh, Miller smashed it in. And this Doncaster grit, the complete reverse of last season in terms of personality, evident once more in defending their lead. Some determined penalty box defending, some good saves from Mitchell uh, and a, a, bit, a bit of luck as well with a late header squandered from Northampton. That is a winning combination and Donny get another three points, as do Salford City. This was a big game at home to Stevenage. I was intrigued to see how this one would play out, aside from just the result. And frankly, there wasn't very much in this game at all until the 90th minute when Ryan Watson put his laces through a loose ball on the edge of the box to win it for Salford. Uh, Stevenage tasting defeat for the first time this season in league and cup. And as for Salford, going about things very nicely and, dare I say it, quite quietly under Neil Wood, who so far uh, has has just put his head down and done some very, very impressive work. And we haven't heard a huge amount uh, from him about it. He's not. He's certainly not getting carried away and uh, he's managing this team very, very well. Three home wins, all to nil this season for Salford. Sutton got a big win at home to Mansfield. 2-1 winners. They went ahead when Josh Neufville 
on loan from Luton Town, slid through the Mansfield midfield and their defence like a knife through butter uh, and slotted home to put them ahead. And then it was a set-piece goal each, a Hawkins equaliser for Stags and a Tope Fadahunzi winning goal whose story is just so wonderfully Sutton United and why we continue to celebrate Sutton United. Fadahunzi was signed in the summer after completing an architecture degree at Loughborough University, for whom he scored over 20 goals in the United Counties League last season and helped them to the FA Vars semi-final. Fadahunzi has previously played for Tooting. He's also had a spell in Finland. He's now Sutton's player. He's played 43 minutes off the bench this season and already scored two winning goals, one against Barrow and one here against Mansfield. Elsewhere, Harrogate nil, Newport four. I'm just going to start with some off-field stuff first and foremost. Uh, first and foremost, with thanks to Dan Grace from NTT20 Squad for some info here that I read with interest in the pre-match press conference. Newport County manager James Robry revealed that following a checkup, all managers are entitled to through the LMA. He was found to have a third-degree AV block heart condition which put him at significant risk of experiencing a heart attack. He would have had no idea he had the heart condition otherwise. And in the week leading up to their opening game of the season, Robry underwent an operation to have a pacemaker fitted. Robry expressed a willingness from himself and the club to now partner with various charities that addressed the issue to help raise awareness. Interestingly, explained that he was only revealing it now because he didn't want to explain it on the back of a losing run. And Newport obviously started the season quite slowly. But it's all changed for Newport and for Robry in the last 10 days. They look excellent. Back to how they looked at periods last season. And in Dom Telford's place is another left-footed striker, Omar Bogle, who looks very, very sharp indeed. He scored a good solo goal early here. He forced an own goal within five more minutes and scored the fourth as well. He was helped by the new boy, Thierry Nevers. Mentioned him last week after an exciting display in that win uh, and a goal and an assist for him this week as well. Big, big win for Newport Harrogate. Thumped at home. Walsall 1, Grimsby 2. The Saddlers started well here. DJ being DJ. Six goals in six games for him. Turning home a Knowles cross. And yeah, Knowles having set up the goal then had a few opportunities to double the lead. I got the feeling that at 1-0 it was Walsall who were more likely to score the second. But they didn't take their chances. And perhaps inevitably Grimsby grew into the game. Harry Clifton first of all finished a skimmed cross from Peppel. And then he bundled home a chaotic winner in front of the packed away in away end. The Mariners really do travel well. George and I are going to the Grimsby game midweek, two weeks today. Cannot wait to see this Grimsby pull her side in the flesh. Big win away at Walsall and a good start to the season for them back at the level. Tramir beat Colu 2-0. Uh, Hawks swooped in at the back post to put Tramir ahead very early in this game and the extent to which Colu are playing poorly can probably be reflected very simply in the fact that they were behind from the fourth minute here and could only muster three shots in total in the match. Tramir more than comfortable. Jake Burton scored the second. This is a nice story. He was only recalled from a loan at Marine on Friday. Suggestion was Tramir had battled so hard against Newcastle in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday they needed an extra body or two. Jake Burton was recalled and headed home their second goal. 
Back-to-back home wins for Tranmere against Gilles and Cole Yu. Still need to improve on the road, though. Carlisle 1, Gillingham 0. Not a classic, this one, at Brunton Park. Carlisle's last 1-0 home win on opening day against Crawley was an absolute battering. This was not that, but they did manage to force the win. And it was a nicely worked move down the left side with the left centre-back Mellish, the wing-back Armour, and then Jordan Gibson, who's in that sort of nice free 10 roll, drifting out wide to combine with them. Uh, Mellish it was with a poked finish to polish off a home win for Carlisle. For Gills, it's not good. It's one goal in six games. That was a cash-get header from a set-piece that allowed them to beat the worst team in the league, Rochdale, outside of that, showing next to nothing going forward and not even defensively solid enough to be keeping clean sheets to at least grab them a point in these games. Uh, a lot of doom and gloom there at Jill's. Then the draws. Rochdale won, Crawley won. Of course, uh, Robbie Stockdale had been sacked by Rochdale. This was their second game without him. Did they look particularly good? Not really. And they were behind a really nice Crawley goal actually had them in front. But Crawley, in fairness, created very little else, had very few attempts. And eventually Dale were able to put the pressure on in the second half. They got their first point of the season, thanks to a nice header from Tyree Sinclair. And following that, they have appointed Jim Bentley, the former Morecambe manager. He was most recently with AFC Fylde in non-league and he will take them forward. I think it's an interesting appointment, that's for sure, and one that George and I will discuss in greater detail next week on the pod. Stockport 1, Swindon 1. Swindon ahead, really nice strike from Fraser Blake Tracy from the edge of the box, but that was cancelled out by Anthony Sarsevich. Uh, That was Stockport down to 10 men when they'd equalised. Madden had got himself very stupidly sent off for a little stampy tangle when Stockport were behind. Not ideal from your captain, but good character shown from Stockport to get level, even if things haven't started as well as we might have expected for them. At last but not least, Bradford nil crew happened in League Two. And that's your lot. Thank you for bearing with me. 36 games of EFL action recapped in, well, just under 36 minutes. You might have loved it. You might have hated it. Either way, I felt it had to be done, and now it is. We will move onwards. Championship games in midweek. We've got a betting show coming out later on in the week. We've got some transfer deadline day content lined up on Thursday as well. So a busy week at NTT20 Towers. Uh, Bear with us. Please share this pod if you've enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening. And a huge thank you to Betfair for their continued support and sponsorship of the Not The Top 20 podcast. That's me over and out. Go out. Well.